0: Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Peter chapter 1. Maybe I can finish the sermon that I started last week. Introductions will kill you sometimes when you're a preacher. A lot of things will kill you when you're a preacher. The salvation of God's grace, let me... Reset the setting. We learn later in Peter, 1 Peter, that Peter is writing from what he calls Babylon. And we talked about that last time. And he speaks spiritually of the place called Rome because at that time it was the seat of the spirit of Babylon that grips the Gentile powers in this present time. They are, they have been scattered. It's the time of Nero. In all likelihood by this time when Peter writes in the middle 60s AD, Paul the apostle has already been martyred, he's dead. Nero has become the emperor And he has made it his job to root out the Christians and to put an end to Christianity. Historically, he fiddled while Rome burned, and in the accounts, the historical accounts, he accused the Christians of riots that started the fire that burned Rome. I don't know about that. You just can't trust the press, I guess. I don't know if that's the way it was or not. But they are dispersed, these believers. And the ones to whom he wrote are in a certain area Which is an area of the world where the Apostle Paul did not go. On the day of Pentecost. Which is today, I think. I think today is the day of Pentecost. Would be good if he ended it today on the day that he started it. Catch me on up in a tongue of fire or whatever. A mighty rushing wind. Anyway. They were there from all over the world and they heard in their own language the gospel that Peter preached. The Apostle Paul was specifically directed to go and minister into a certain region on his missionary trip. He followed up with letters to those churches. Peter writes, to, for the most part, a different group of people who are to the east rather than to the west. They have been dispersed. Because of Nero's persecution, they are persecuted as Christians. They are suffering. And so this letter is a letter of hope for persecuted, suffering Christians. I told you last week that the darkness is growing in the world. Christians, well the word of God, let's start there. The concept of God, the person of God and his son Jesus Christ are despised and hated increasingly by the nations of the world and his people then are, will become under, uh, yes Lord, I feel like God's calling me and I'm not answering the phone. No worries, it's okay. I don't want God to get a busy signal anytime he calls me. And I mentioned the author of the 90s who wrote in his commentary on First Peter how the Western world and the church in the Western world had never understood the persecution and suffering that the early church suffered. And I told you that were he to write today I believe he would have to amend that a little bit, if if not quite a bit. In the Western world, Western civilization, where the church has been so strong and such a central piece of our culture and who we are, that church is coming under attack, unmitigated, unknown previously in the Western culture, attack. It will lead to persecution. I don't know when. And that persecution will lead to suffering. In the case of the saints here, scattered, their suffering came in the form of being unable to get work, Unwelcomed in any community where they lived. I was reading a an article from a financial um, journal this past week where certain corporations who are making a stand. Against the ungodly drift of the world and openly standing against it were coming under scrutiny by their banks and some of them were having their accounts closed because of their stand for righteousness. The day could come when a Christian will not be able to bank or, or not be able to buy land or have any kind of property rights. I'm telling you, nothing is off the table when it comes to the darkness that is falling over this world, and Christians will suffer. And it's not unlike anything that Christians have faced before. And these are the Christians to whom Peter writes. And we should listen closely because we may not be but a week or two from that very kind. Of suffering, I listened to another, he's a sociologist, he, he has two or three programs daily, but he's a Christian, and he was addressing this this very thing about how people who have a certain persuasion that doesn't fit in with the worldly persuasion are being dismissed from jobs. They're finding it difficult to find work and other problems that they face. And it's, it's sort of like the tip of an iceberg. Now, of course, the God Almighty is in charge at any moment according to the choosing of God if he chose to do so he could flood the unsaved world with the presence of his Holy Spirit in the sense of conviction and drawing them to salvation I pray that it happens and it probably will be the last thing of the church before we're caught up and caught away I pray that's what happens I don't know but we should always be aware of the reality of how the world hates us. And the God of government was narrow in his day. There were temples to Caesar in all of the large cities and that's the God of government to worship Caesar. He considered himself a god. To worship the God of government. And anything that elevates itself um, to, the, to the height of absolute power cannot stand at the pinnacle of that hill alongside God. The world therefore eventually must dismiss God and reject God and of course his word and, and those who attend to his word In America, there's never been a more important time, in my view, than the present day, when people of faith need to be absolutely committed to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. A church that stands on the fundamentals of the faith. There are a lot of loud type churches, I believe, Who are who think of themselves within Christendom, but from heaven's view, they are not really in Christianity. Peter therefore writes to these persecuted, suffering Christians. And he, he gives them hope. In the midst of persecution and suffering, there is one thing we have, and that is hope. This world is not our home. Paul wrote to the Philippians and he said, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship that is valued above all other things in our lives is that citizenship that is in heaven. And he talked about how, and we're looking for our savior to come from there. And this is our hope as Christians. Above all other the things. Now, let's briefly look back at uh, the first part that I got through last time. But it lays the foundation for what follows. The elect and the scattered. Let's look at it. We have to pay attention here to the language. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the scattered elect. Perepidemoi. Para means alongside. Epi means upon. And Demois is a reference to those who belong there. In other words, they're the the locals, I guess you would say. Those who are there. They live there. So the scattered elect were called alongside and placed upon those people of the dispersion. The scattered elect of the dispersion. the, The word... Diasporas means, dia means through, Sporos is a seed. It means to scatter seed. So, Peter writes to the scattered elect, those who are called alongside and placed upon those who are already there in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. Generally speaking, those are areas where Paul did not go. These are, that Every location there is in Turkey, what we would call the nation of Turkey today. Peter writes to them because apparently in the persecution of Nero as it began and Peter observes. The saints with whom he was familiar were scattering to the east. Into Turkey, into these places. And he reminds them, he says, you know what? You're there because God Almighty has called you alongside and placed you upon the people among whom you live and you're the ones who are the seed scatterers. You're sowing a seed wherever you are. This is the work of the church, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ the world has twisted it into a thing of, of racism and bigotry and hatred and all of this thing. When all we want to do is proclaim the love of God in Christ and plead with people to come and go to heaven with us and live forever. To live forever with us in the presence of God in heaven. What is so hateful about that? It doesn't matter. We call to them from every tribe, tongue, tongue kindred, nation. Whoever they are, wherever they are, we call to them. God places us, he scatters us, he puts us there. And we're the bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ. We're the ones who are scattering the seed, sowing the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These particular saints of God are troubled. They are persecuted and so peter writes to give them hope now that's where we left off let's continue with this <coughs> everything <coughs> everything that is happening is happening according to the foreknowledge of god here he is he continues to the scattered elect of the dispersion into those areas, those regions of the world according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, is that thing working? Well, I'm not going to start over I think it's, is it working now? I think my switch is kind of bad. That's okay. I I squeezed. Okay, I I did something. For those across the world in the internet world, you just missed one of the most beautiful introductions of, of. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay, you're there. You have the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It belongs to you. It doesn't belong to the world. How could anyone without the Spirit of God preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? They can't. We preach in the power of the Holy Spirit. They are there where they are according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. According, kata, according to, by way of. Prognosin. Pro means before. Gnosis. Gnosis means knowledge or determination. This is the language that Peter wrote them in. This is just like he wrote it. In the Greek he said according to the foreknowledge. You notice I I put, when I translated this thing and I put it on this slide, I, I put the word the in italics because the definite article is not there. Now, there are rules of language that when you're moving from Koine Greek to modern English, most scholars would say, well, it, it, it has to have a definite article for English translation. Okay, that's fine. But when you connect it to God, foreknowledge of God, you see that? You're talking about that which has been previously determined that which is already and previously known, foreknowledge of God, prognosin. No doubt what that word means. I mean, you can't wiggle around the word. That's, there it is. If God gives me until late summer, and, and I'm just speaking to those who have been here as long as I have, I will have been here 17 years. Let me say this. When I first came, I was finishing up my second time through the scriptures. And I finished my second time through the scriptures while I was here. I started it some other place. I I have to look and see. But it takes years and years to preach every verse, every book, chapter, verse of the Bible. This was my commitment to the Lord a long time ago. When I finished my second time, I was asking the Lord to let me live long enough to preach through the third time. Well, that would get me into my 90s. And I didn't exactly have a dream, but the Lord, I think, changed my mind on that. And so what I did was I took those books of the Bible. There were about, I'd have to look again, at about 18 or 20 of them years into my time here and I thought well I'm going to take what I've preached since I've been here and I'll ask the Lord just to let me preach through the whole Bible while I'm here. I'll forget the I'll, I'll forget the desire to preach through it a third time just ask the Lord to let me preach through the Bible at one church once you haven't run me off yet. And I, I, when you've been through what I've been through, it goes through my mind every day. Who's mad at me? Who's going to want a younger guy? Who's going to want a skinnier guy? Who's going to want a more handsome guy? Hey, it happens. Man, I got turned down by a big church once because I didn't wear wingtip shoes. I understand the mindset of Baptists. But God has been good to me. If God will help me, I will finish 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, which is what we're in on Wednesday nights. I'll finish the Pentateuch. I still have Deuteronomy after we finish Numbers on Sunday nights. I have about half the Psalms left after that. And I have 20 chapters of the Proverbs. I preached the introduction and the next final 20 chapters. Now that's about three or four more years. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just the way it is. And I'm just going from Sunday to Sunday to see if the Lord's on my side. But here's the point. And, it, you know, we'll be into 2025 20, 20, or 2026. 20, I'll finally get through. And maybe God will just let me drop dead and I'll be done. To have been in one church, to, well, it just excites me. I don't care what it does to you, it just thrills me to death. Because. Some church member, at least as old as I am, will stand there in glory and have no excuse (laughs) to understand the unsearchable riches of the grace of God. Here's the deal. All those books of the Bible. Do you know there's 66 books in the Bible? 17 years and I've got, what, four more or so. And I don't know, I I can't say that I'm going to live that long. If I don't, that's okay. If you run me off, hey, I'll just try to get on the internet and finish it. I don't don't, don't know what I'll do. I hadn't thought that far ahead. I don't have that plan. But listen to me, Here's, here's my point. And for those of you who have been with me all these years, you'll have to agree with me. Because I have not wavered from the word. If it was there, that's what we studied. And the word in every whit. Okay, let me think about this. I still have 2 Kings and part of 2 Chronicles. Half of the Psalms and a little more than half of the Proverbs. So that's like 60 or 62 books of the Bible we've already looked at all the way through. And the sovereignty of God is on every page. People within Christianity, people within the Baptist church despise the doctrine of the sovereignty of God and I cannot understand why. I cannot understand why. Why would anyone think in any whit that your salvation and your service depended upon you? Or upon me. Thank God for it. Since I went forward as a little 10 year old boy. I've screwed up too many times since then. The older I get the more I realize that I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ. And not in the righteousness of Charles Owens for he has none. I have no righteousness. Righteousness. But in all of those books that we've studied, for those of you who have been with me, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we looked at all. We never was able to escape from the glory and the sovereignty of God. We can't escape it. It's everywhere. And I finally collapsed into the reality of it. I sort of ran from that kind of thing early on as a young preacher. But God left me at a troubled church for 11 years so that I could be introspective more than I'd ever been. And all I had was the word of God and my family. And I studied that thing. Spiros Zodiatis was my tutor in Greek. He's dead now. I had him a few times at my church. You may or may not have ever heard of him. He's written many books, commentaries of the New Testament. And it was the New Testament more so than the Old Testament that really chiseled my persuasions doctrinally. And the simple advice was, read it the way God gave it and believe it. Koine Greek was frozen in time just after the last apostle wrote the last of the New Testament books. Latin became the common man's language, unlike Koine Greek. And Koine Greek then collapsed into what was Byzantine Greek. It's a different thing. And that New Testament Greek was frozen in time. You cannot change the meaning of those words. And on my face before God, on a particular day, on the carpet, I said, God, you're sovereign. I'm nothing. And I'm going to quit counting how many are in Sunday school. I'm going to quit counting how many we've baptized. We don't have anything to do with it. You're God. And this is the Lord Christ's church. And God will get the glory. I don't have any wit of the glory. No wonder we cast our crowns back to the Lord. Nice gesture. But it was Christ in me. It was not me. And we will all be there like that. We won't be bragging on ourselves we'll be bragging on Jesus into the ages of the ages here are people who will never be known this side of heaven in places that don't exist like that anymore they're not called that anymore you can find ancient maps you can see where they were located but those people the record of of the record of their attending a church or being a part of a church or even the the, the pastors or the elders or the whatever. There's just no record of those people anymore. But they did what they did in their time, having been the elect of God scattered to that place and then put there to be the sowers of the seed according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Whatever happened in Cappadocia or Bithynia, any of those, whatever happened in any of those places was to the glory of God. This is what Peter is saying. Maybe it takes decades of sincere Christian living and faith and studying the word of God having gone through the journey that God has placed you in, being truthful to yourself and recognizing your own personal failures and faults and flaws and sins and stumblings along the way to get way on down the road and to look back and you can say it was only by the grace of God that I am a man of faith. Too many things in this world Too many things in the so-called church. Too many things in my life have tried to dissuade me from that. But he has carried me through too many things. There have been too many victories for me to think that it was anything less than the power of God that put me where I was when I was. And it's brought me to this point in time. Therefore, I have hope. The United States of America may collapse tonight. I'm trying to think of what I would lose. <laughs> I don't have anything. I would, lose, I would lose what I owe on my car. That wouldn't be such a bad thing. I guess. I don't know. Anyway. Life could get flipped upside down supply chains could stop riots could go and life could become Different than we ever dreamed it could be But I have hope I have been through too many bad things Maybe some of my own making To know that the heavenly father has carried me through and when I got to the other side my faith was stronger and my thoughts in my life were purer than they were before. I was purified and strengthened. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not there yet. I, I don't know. I, maybe I have a little ways to go. I don't know. But I will have to give him praise and honor and glory at the end of it all and thank him with eternal gratitude. Number one, that before the foundation of the world, he wrote my name in the book of life. I don't understand that. I may never understand it in all of the ages that are yet to come. But I understand this, it was to the glory of God. And I can see now looking back how God Has built my life spiritually. I'm not perfect. Man, I'm so far from it. But I can say that I'm stronger because of it than what I was when the journey began. According to the foreknowledge of God. Now, I told you I had the word the, the article, the definite article in italics because it's not in the original. Because I suppose if I was just, if I'm in my office and I'm private and I'm translating this thing, I would capitalize foreknowledge. It's an attribute of God. Only God has foreknowledge. You understand that? There are a lot of prognosticators. They're gonna predict What's going to happen? They can't. You remember this. I don't know if anybody's that old except me. This woman named Jean Dixon. She was a. I don't know what she was. She was a prophet or something. She'd foretell the future. And in reflection. She missed most of it. But of those vague general. I can tell you this. This. I can give you some vague generalities and I'll hit it spot on because I know what the Bible says and I know the drift of humanity. So, you know, there are these vague generalities that people come up with every once in a while. The guy, uh, Edgar Casey was it? Edgar Casey? I've read all that stuff and he had a writing in there and he he referenced the cruel the cruel hister hister h-i-s-t-e-r well decades later people who were believing in his writings were saying well what he meant to say was Hitler nah man you know I mean we could do that all day long couldn't we here's what he meant here's what he meant uh, Foreknowledge belongs to God, and that is an attribute that is only God's and it's no one else's. That's why the Bible is so beautiful. God has already told us the end of everything. And it's working out just like God said, but only spirit-filled people can understand that. Lost people can't, they don't understand it. It's meaningless to them. It's it's poppycock, it's just it's just it's just babble and confusion when they try to read how the world comes to an end. God already knows. God was going to bless that region of Turkey, those regions of Turkey, by causing those scattered elect who carried the seed of the gospel to be placed right where they were. They were scattered elect of the dispersion according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, according to foreknowledge of God. The Father. This enriches our worship and our praise. To think that from forever God has bridged where He is to where I am and has joined me to Himself through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How can I help but praise him and give him thanks for what he has done? I'm going to tell you something. We're not coming back tonight and I'm going to finish this sermon. If you don't like it, you can leave. (laughs) I don't want to have to look at this set of slides again. Secondly, in the sanctification of the spirit. Okay, there they are. Here we are. They are the scattered elect, the seed sowers of the gospel, according to foreknowledge of God the Father, set apart by the Holy Spirit of God in the sanctification. I guess mo. it means marked out to be holy. Separated by the Holy Spirit. The word sanctification means to be set apart purposefully. Separated, set apart, marked out. That's who we are. That's who they were. By the foreknowledge of God, they were put where they were. And they were set apart by the Holy Spirit. That means that wherever they were, they were different from the world. They were sanctified. We're in Christ. There are things we won't do. There are places we won't go. There are antichrist principles with which we cannot agree. We must stand on the blessed holy word of God and stand in Jesus Christ our Lord knowing there is no other salvation. Except by him. We're set apart from the world. The world is a different thing to us than it is to everybody else who are in the world. It's not home. Strange things happen in the world with which we cannot agree. In which we cannot fellowship. There are things we cannot do because we are in Christ. Places we cannot go. Words we cannot say. Thoughts we must not have. Principles so-called with which we cannot agree. Philosophies that we must reject. Because we are set apart and marked holy. By the Holy Spirit of God. Finally. According to the foreknowledge of God. By the sanctification of the Spirit. Into the cleansing of the blood of the Son. Into the obedience. You see that word obedience? Hippokoain. Hypo means under. Akuo means the sound of speaking, the sound. In this case the sound of speaking. Hippakoin means underhearing. Under hearing. It means that we're under the hearing of the authoritative voice or word of God. We're under that. And thus we are compelled into full compliance. That's obedience. That's what the word means. We're under hearers. We can't mess with it. We can't dabble with the word of God. We're under it we're not equal to it we're under it it's over us and this this authoritative word that is above us we must hear and with which we must comply so these saints they are into the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ let me go back to the word obedience under hearer that means that something is speaking. Over in Hebrews chapter 12, there's a beautiful truth. And it's, it says this, it says that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The speaking of the sprinkled blood. Now the sprinkling means the, uh, the sacrifice is applied and the blood is speaking. We could be here for the rest of the year and I could give you a series of messages on everything that the blood is telling us, the blood of Christ. That there's only one Savior, that we are sinners, that we must be sacrificed for via a sacrifice of atonement they can only be applied to us and no other and none other under the hearing of the authority of the speaking of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Here we go. Let's end it. Grace and peace. In the fullest measure. Now here we are. Scattered in lakes, sowing the seed according to the four laws of God, sanctified by the Spirit, into the obedience and sprinkling of Jesus Christ, Son of God. Grace and peace is yours. mean to you, or is yours. Multiplied and increased in the fullest measure. in the thing I'm going to end it with something and you got to this is good it's all good that word that speaks of being multiplied listen to me it's in the aorist optative passive now we're talking about those saints of God who are in the purpose of God Grace and peace is yours, multiplied and increased, aorist, optative, passive. In the aorist, it means that it's a one and done. It it only has to happen once. In the passive, it means that the subject is being acted upon by another. We're the subject. God is doing this to us. This is happening to us from God. What is Grace and peace. But it's in the optative mood. And here it's in what's called the uh, voluntative, voluntative. The optative mood is only used 68 times in the whole Quinti Greek New Testament. It's a special kind of a thing. It's a verb that speaks to something. Now if it's in the aorist, it's done. Bang. It's done upon you by another in the passive. And then the optative voluntive means that uh, it's projected forward ad infinitum. Grace and peace is yours, multiplied and increased in the fullest. It keeps on going. It's, It's better than a duracell. It just keeps going, not just keeps going, but it increases. I will tell you from personal testimony that the reality of grace is so much richer to me personally than it was years earlier as a Christian. That the peace of life is so much more a part of me now than it was earlier In my Christian life. I've spent too much time worrying about things. Overthinking things. I can't outthink God. Here it is. To those saints who are nobodies in the middle of nowhere. God put you there for a purpose. He set you apart. So that the world can see the difference in you. And the blood of Jesus Christ has been offered for you. And has called you to himself. And you are thus saved. And even though you are persecuted. And mistreated. Grace and peace is yours. And it's just going to grow. And grow. Projected forward in the optative. Now that's special to me. I hope it's special to you. As well. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He came into this world to save sinners. Only God can convict you of sin and call you to Christ for salvation. If you're here today, you sense the call of God in Christ. As you exit this room today, there will be deacons and their wives. Standing in the doorway of the rooms just across the hall. as you, You'll see them as you exit. They're ready to pray with you. Come to Christ today. Maybe you're here and God leads you to come into the fellowship of this church, to join the church. They're there to speak with you and to pray. We'll take care of all the details if, that was, if that's what God wants in your life. But for right now, let's all stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer.